Radius fam, and welcome back to our Radius Conversations podcast with our final episode of the Radius story. Um, so this is the finale. I am JT Reeves, and I'll be your host as I am joined by two of the big dogs <laughs> in the Radius story. Uh, Jeremiah Jones, all the way from the White Shores of Florida, uh, and John Reeves, who happens to be my dad. <laughs> um, so let's start with y'all. Who are you? Where did y'all meet, and what have y'all both done together and separate for however many years it's been? Yes, yeah, so I'm the old guy. Everybody knows that on the, on this deal, and uh, so through the years, a, a big part of what the Lord's asked me to do is plant churches. And our very first church plant, hate for this for you Gamecock fans, we uh, we planted Clemson, which probably makes sense to you because that seems like close to hell, a good place to plant a church. So we, Cheryl and I moved to Clemson and planted a church there. And one of the very, very early in the process, we met the guy across the table from me, not Jeremiah Jones. Uh, you have to tell that story because I know it from my perspective, but how you got involved in the first church plant that we were involved in, the DCF, kind of interesting. Yeah, your brother um, came and just knocked on my door at Malden, um, the Malden dorms down in the horseshoe at Clemson. And that was a freshman football dorm. I was a freshman. I, was, I didn't know anybody. I knew like two people on campus. I came from um, North Myrtle Beach is where I'm from. So I'm from the state, but, you know, four and a half hours away. And uh, so Matt knocks on my door, and here's this, you know, kind of smiley guy <laughs> saying, hey, man. <laughs> you want to come play guitar? Like he saw us playing guitar. And like, so we started connecting and I just kind of blew it off. Like I didn't think anything about it. I didn't know who he was from anybody. Dude knocking on my door. But he was going around inviting people to church. It was pretty cool. And, uh, and then somehow by a string of events, I was invited to come and play uh, by another musician uh, that was connecting. And then I think that's how we met. Like I just, so. I might've just showed up and, I don't know if we even had like a no, meeting. I think we just showed up at church. And, and I believe one of the first meetings was on campus in a like a auditorium somewhere. I think it was a chemistry building. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And I was in architecture at the time, or architecture as we mm-hmm. used to call it. And I was really trying to figure out what, you know, what, what direction I was going to go in as far as academics were concerned. And architecture required a ton of time and energy that I wasn't going to be able to give to doing anything else. And I knew that. I'd heard that. And it's a pretty rigorous program. So I got to the end of that semester having worked with John and that team of people, ragtag group of people that were like, hey, we're going to play in a church. And we didn't even know what that meant. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, decided to change my major after the first semester. So to give myself more time to do, because I just had this inkling that, yeah, this is really what I want to do. And I, don't, I didn't have any ambition to do it, like, long-term, but I knew at least if I'm going to be in college, that's what I want to do. I want to be a part of something like this. Uh, so that's how it started for me. That's cool to hear. Yeah. So from my side of the deal, we, we our first worship guy at, at DCF, which was Cheryl, my, our first church plant, he was a great dude, was not great uh, – at the, he was a great dude, and he was actually a good musician, but for whatever reason, he made me sweat, like, literally 
the whole time we did worship at our, at our <laughs> church. So, there's, so it, was, it was really cool when the Lord brought you along. You actually tag team with him for a while, and he, he was super That's generous. Right. That's right. But then you really, God used 19 years old. So this is a good reminder for our Radius folks. I mean, we're, we're down at Radius Southside by the Carolina campus. Who knows who the Lord's going to bring? Right. But a 19-year-old who God's gifted um, comes in and, you know, like I, I, I don't remember you changing your major, so that's my fault. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're planting a church, and that became really important. Right. But what was cool for you is you you helped us establish a worship culture there, and then you and I we we've done a bunch of church plants together. So, nineteen year old Jeremiah starts with a church plant, and then y'all go from there. Your upper twenties, Dad, and yeah, yeah, old veteran. Go yep. to uh, Atlanta together, and then we did Lexington together. So let's talk about uh, we're going to go through just a couple things of that are of real importance to our little church and to the capital C church, the bride of Christ. And let's just talk first, uh, we're going to set a timer for five minutes. Let's just talk about church planning. And we've already talked about it a little bit. But why Why did we plant churches? Uh, why did y'all move all over the place? Um, what's What's the point? And Dad, if you could start on this one. Yeah, yeah. So why plant churches um, biblically? And when I read the book of Acts, this was... Uh, just something that the apostles did. They went around planting churches. It didn't necessarily have, it certainly was their strategy to reach the world. They plant churches, make disciples, make disciples, plant churches, like, you know, chicken and egg kind of thing. But uh, specifically me seems to be the Lord began to prod me to do it in my late 20s. And then once I did it, I thought I was just going to be a pastor forever at one spot. And then 18 months after we started DCF, I was dreaming about the next one. And so some of that is just the way God's gifted me. So for me, it's about stewardship with gift, even though I believe it's a responsibility to the church. So a lot of times I go somewhere and then drag, drag Jeremiah along with a good recruiting pitch. <laughs> um, Mom always tells, uh, tells me and Jeremiah that it had to be in the Holy Spirit because some of the emails I'd send him to recruit him, I had like 12 misspelled words in them. So she's surprised he could read them. I'm a bad speller, too. At so. the beginning, when did that start making sense, church planning for you? Well, I think just flying high off the DCF years. Yeah. There's something special about that. Every time I meet people, I just Still met a, I just met a, you know, I just ran into a PGA Tour golfer that went to Clemson at the time, and he's played golf all over the world and been on television and all that, and he just comes up to me and says, hey, you know, those times at DCF were you know, yeah. pretty incredible yeah. for me. And it really helped shaped, shape what, uh, give me a different view of what the church could be. Yeah. And I, we were talking about it last night. It's, it was radical for us, you know, it was mm -hmm. radical mm -hmm. as far as the movement goes. And so I think I wanted to replicate that. Now we go, we go to Atlanta, we're parachuting into a city of millions of people. We don't really know anybody. And we're again, trying to figure this thing out. And, um, but the, the impetus behind it for me was, well, We've done this before, and John and I have a, a lot of rapport in chemistry, and we come from very different theological backgrounds, church backgrounds, life mm -hmm. experiences. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just ready to do whatever. So I had a lot of um, optimism, and and I don't know. I was I was just excited to 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 see the kingdom come in, in multiple expressions. But and that was the vision. We were going to try to plant a lot of churches, but mm -hmm. it's way easier dreamt. Yeah, then done. It draws up better. Than, yeah, yeah, that's right. One well, one of the cool things, remembering those days, is as we learned to use our gifts together, 
I was discovering this. This is why I like church planting because it stresses people. So like I think church planting actually helps you make disciples because there's this weight you have to carry. And some, you know, the first one we had tons of success quote, so it was really fun. Right. But the stress of Atlanta, which wasn't very successful, was hard for me. But I look back at it as one of the most formative times of my adult life, uh, where God was discipling. Like he he was bringing me along. But the other cool thing for us together was, like our gifts. Learning to enmesh your gifts with somebody else. It's just it's just like marriage. Really, really healthy. It brings some humility. It brings some perspective. Jeremiah comes from a pretty charismatic background. I came from the other end of the world. He was kind of running away from his place. I was running away from mine. And he's like, wait a minute, that's a good guy from, like, how did, how did that happen? And what I liked was by the time we got great chemistry, Jeremiah would be the good cop. I was usually the bad cop. After I'd preach so hard, Jeremiah about, Jeremiah about like, <laughs> you'd get up and like, try to soften it a little bit. It's okay, people. <laughs> it's okay. You're going to be fine. He was preaching to me. <laughs> it was great. It was really, really fun for the kingdom of God. And sometimes very successful and fun that way, and other times painful because it just doesn't yeah. work. And at the end of the Atlanta experience for me, like I had to leave because of major family upheaval back home. Yeah, uh, I was dealing with a lot of um, um, family tree issues, and uh, so I, I I had to leave. Um, and I was still pretty. I will say, I, looking back, I was very immature, even even in the Atlanta phase. I I was a I was mature enough to get by. Yeah, but I just. Uh, I, there was some stuff going. God was dealing with a lot of stuff with mm. me uh, at that time, so there was a, like a little bit of a, a period of, uh, where I, you know, I went dark. I didn't. I, yeah. I, I moved right. home to Myrtle Beach. I was gone there for a year, year and a half, and then moved to um, Orlando, Florida, for six months. And then after that, uh, met John at a conference, where he invited me over to somewhere in, in Orlando, and he's like. We're gonna to move to Columbia, and I was like, "Sounds like a good plan." <laughs> <laughs> and, it, oh, and he was like, "We're gonna pay you, and it's gonna be more than you're making now." He didn't know that, but I was like, "Sold." <laughs> I will, <laughs> didn't know that some months we pay him and some months we wouldn't. So that, neither did I. At the moment. Started off great though for a single guy who was like barely scraping by. It was good. So uh, and that's a good transition into uh, you just used the word radical, and and several times in interviews for the for the book that we wrote. Radical generosity was used yeah. um, to describe, especially the early days of of Radius, um, kind of not not leaving stuff with an open hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, if if y'all would describe um, what what this word generosity means, uh, what does it mean to live generously, um, and why was that why was that something that Radius pushed in the early days? So I get a start, and you put a story or two on if you want to. Sure. Uh, like so. Uh, since I got my son here at the table, I'll give my old man some credit. Right? My dad was radically generous. He did it uh, like you never got to see it. And he, he would kind of hide it from us as kids, but you'd hear people, you'd hear the rumblings of that kind of generosity just from a man. And uh, that impacted me very directly. And so when we started the church, it just seemed like a normal thing for a church to do give stuff away and so in our early days we may not have done that in the wisest of ways um and then when Todd came he really kind of zeroed in on it he he actually Todd Carnes who really the it's been two pastors here Todd Todd kind of coined the phrase radical generosity and he took kind of our chaos of generosity and he focused it a little strategically but in the early days man we did yeah uh, I gave away all kind of crazy stuff right like 
to from uh, you remember the twenty dollar tip Sundays? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'd all go to the same restaurant. Everybody get tipped twenty dollars, or we go multiple restaurants. We come up with anything and everything. How about you? You had you were at the parade right downtown. When we did the Mountain Dew. Yep, that's right. It was a lot of Mountain Dew. Four thousand cans to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> got a better memory than me but oh yeah, yeah i had to buy him <laughs> and yeah. i you know and i think a lot of what we we're doing is out of reaction to what we'd seen yes. in the church so mm-hmm. you know it was a little reactionary it was a little bit like we need to make a point yep and um real good and my dad my dad too was a very generous man like he'd give people a shirt off his back and i saw that in him um and i watched you guys do it yeah uh, i mean you did it for me you gave me a car at one point uh, when we were first married, and they were like, "Here, just take this car." <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, I, it was a beater, but it was a car. No, it, it, it ran. It was, it was yeah, a yeah, Honda yeah. Accord. That thing had five speed. I miss five speeds. <laughs> I really do. All these automatics around here is no fun. Great. But I, I think even in DCF, I think maybe the first time we did this, we did we passed the plate with money in it. Yes, we did. So we just put a bunch of cash in these in these. Not the plate, but whatever it was, like it a, was. It was my Tupperware that we ate popcorn out of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you know it was a little greasy, but no. The point. I think what we said was, uh, so we're passing this with money in it. If you need money, mm-hmm. this is not to put anybody on the spot, but if you need money, you need to take the money. Mm-hmm. This is this is for you. And if you want to give, great. Yeah. But I think we did that a couple times, maybe here. We did. Um, and people just don't even know what they just don't even know what to do. It's so shocking because it's so opposite of what they hear all the time in church. So it was reactionary. It was also you see it in the scripture all the time. And I think what's missing in that equation is not it's not just about money. I mean, people. I'll, I'll think about like Andy Ott, and I think yes, about all the Celine Khalil, and, yes. and Duncan, Duncan yeah. and these. Zoltan Barbali, and, and all these people. All who the girls just, that hung out with Becca. Yeah, that served and gave served and their served. time. So your time, your talent, and your treasure, right? Yeah. And and a lot of those people gave of themselves sacrificially, continually, over and over That's and great. over and over. So it wasn't just like, oh, hey, write a check or hey, you know, empty your bank account, which is what we did. <laughs> and you can talk about some of the stuff that we did uh, with 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 money, with buildings and stuff yeah. like that, which was crazy. But to me, what stands out is the amount of time that people gave. To, I mean, and we didn't even still know what we were doing. We our vision was sort of like murky, but it was like we're just gonna go storm the gates. Yes, we. <laughs> hey, and, name some of the name some of those. We had a a group of single ladies. That yeah. Just they were everywhere. You remember some Kim? Kim's obviously on our staff yeah. now. Alexis. Alexis. Um, Alexa. Since yeah. They were together. Gina. That's right. Hancock. Um, Sa, which SA. is Sarah P- Sarah Plumbing. Yeah. Um, Gosh, I'm going to leave somebody out. Leave somebody out. We're both going to be. Kim gave us a list, and then she left them off. We just blame it on Kim, right? Like, yeah. Uh, nah, that group yeah. of ladies just crushed it. Yeah, they did. Um, and a lot of them hung out in a Bible study with Becca right out the yeah. gate. But then I think of Lori Kesey. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think of you know a lot of the people that were out here, Jonathan Patton. That's right. Um, and Patton. And yeah, that's right. So there, I mean, there's a long list of people who just were like, yeah, we want to. We want to do something that's going to impact the kingdom, and I don't. And I don't think anybody was thinking we're we don't want to be like Church A, B, or C, you know, first church of whatever. But they were hungry to do something new that that they could own, and um, yeah, yeah, that to me is what stands out more than probably the money, hmm. anything hmm. else. So, and uh, <clears throat> even earlier we talked about 
this this way of, of the mission statement talking about making disciples by planting churches mm-hmm. and and living generously. And so now let's kind of move into making disciples and wh- what does that mean to y'all? What did y'all do? What did y'all try to do early? Um, and what are some examples of discipleship? Jeremiah, if you want to start us off here. Yeah, so uh, the push was, you know, do you know your neighbor? And that was mm-hmm. always the, and who is your neighbor, right? So the and we'll talk about the name radius and how that ties in probably later. But do you know your neighbor was a big, was, a, was the, our big mantra. Mm-hmm. And um, it stuck with me because I didn't even know, my, I hardly knew my neighbors growing up. Um, I had friends in the neighborhood, but we didn't really interact with our neighbors much. So uh, being an adult, I mean, it's, when you're transient and you're moving from place to place, it's hard to form relationships. So then you've got to figure out, well, what, who are my neighbors? Are they my coworkers? Are they my people that I'm going to school with? Um, but when we lived in West Columbia here, <clears throat> uh, in, uh, we lived over in West Columbia behind Lexington Hospital, and Joe Pitts brought a group of people over. You, I was students, I believe, and they just were mulching, every, offering, knocking on doors, going to offer to mulch people's little front mm-hmm. garden area mm-hmm. for free. <clears throat> My friend James is out, you know, working on his car. That's right. And they come up to James. <sighs> I love this story. And they're like, they're like, uh, hey, can we mulch your yard? And, James, and then James looking at me like, what? What is this? I was like, dude, it's just my church. They're not asking for money. They're not looking for donations. They just really want to just, you know, just trying to just love people, right? So James is just like freaking out. Like he still doesn't understand why they would be doing this. <laughs> and he's got the hood of his Jeep Cherokee o- open and we're sitting there talking and he's working on his, his Jeep. So that opens up a whole conversation on the spot. He said, this is your church. And I said, yeah. And he goes, well, c- well can your church pray for my, for my uncle? Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, man, w- what's the problem? So he, his uncle apparently had been battling some, some health issues and he was very concerned. <clears throat> that one little act of just you know, going and buying mulch opened up a conversation. And in that moment, I realized this is an opportunity for me to just not slough it off like, okay, our church will pray for you mm-hmm. and pat him on the back and walk away. I said, well, you know, I, why don't I just pray for you right now, you know? And it was bold for me. Right, I've, been, right. I've been a believer all my life, and I was scared to death, you know? <laughs> but it was bold for me to say that. So I, I just said, you know, I believe that when, when, when we pray, God hears our prayers, and so why don't we just pray for it right now instead of just waiting for somebody else mm-hmm. to do it? And that opened up an entire relationship with James, and, um, and then subsequently his future wife, uh, and... <laughs> James, my kids call him Mr. James, Mr. James. <laughs> um, but he ended up coming to Radius, yeah. being, a, being an integral part of, of even Radius Lexington. Yeah. And it was just that little act of, uh, of generosity and sacrifice that helped just open up a door that, you know, I, it was a great, great thing for me to learn, to just be present in a moment like that. Yeah, indeed. Those are our greatest stories. Like when, when we named it Radius again, the dream was that individuals would interact with the people in their neighborhood. And right. James is one of the greatest stories we got. There's a stack of them. Yeah. Some of them we don't even know. Right. It's awesome that our folks, our partners, as you take this in, hey, that's, that's what we were dreaming about right there. Now, we did some stuff in an organized way. So that, that stuff's got value too, but we love the organic neighborhood activity. Um, 
man, we did. I don't know if you remember the HD meetings where we story told. Yeah, that was a that was a big part of our discipleship, building a culture where you told stories. Right. One of interaction with neighbors, like we, the James story would have come up on one of those nights. You, you would have just said you're praying for him. You wouldn't have had all the whole story. You just had a piece of it. Right. The mulch and, and the tell mulch. a story, but it encourages others. And then we we talk about how we <clears throat> interacted with with God. So we we actually have this account a bit. We called them HD to say we were going to be really clear and truthful about what's going on. Mm-hmm. I know for some of you young people, like HD doesn't seem very clear, but to us, it was the <laughs> clearest view of TV at the time. So the HD sure. meetings were times to share stories and pray and really uh, build discipleship and disciple one another in group. Sometimes discipleship is across a table, you know, where a guy and a guy are interacting. Sometimes it's two, but sometimes it's in group where you really can influence each other with multiple gifts by telling stories and praying. I think one of the coolest ways to talk about discipleship right here is like we, you and I have a relationship. Me being ten years older, mm-hmm. you lived in our home yep. on occasion. Yep. When you're at my house, you and Cheryl are like brother and sister, and like give and take. This this just this is joy of friendship. We're sitting with my son who shares your name because of our relationship, right. which is right. Yeah, some huge. of the best parts of life are are sharing with one another about Christ. And I think for our folks that are making disciples. Like, just with Jeremiah Jones sitting across the table. So at the beginning, like, I, I was kind of the old guy, the experienced guy. But then you come, become much more, it becomes much more friendship. Yeah. And it has all this yeah. richness that, you know, all friendships can have. Yeah, and I will say, um, I hope Becca's not listening, but I, the only time I really make my bed is at your house. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so Cheryl and I have a brother-sister relationship, but she's still, I'm still thinking I better make my bed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> Or I'm going to hear about it. I see you didn't make your bed. (laughs) Exactly. Uh Sorry, Cheryl, didn't spill over into my everyday life. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. So as we talk about planting churches and going from place to place and then making disciples, and one of the big words that kind of describes those early times and just who um, this little church is uh, is hustle, which, Mm -hmm. which is one you use a lot. Uh, so if y'all could walk me through some instances where where y'all were just running and running and uh, that if you want to start us off on. Yeah. So you wouldn't know this because you actually know how to play basketball. But me and <laughs> Jeremiah, both in most sporting activities, we are hustlers. Yeah. We make up for our lack of by... Uh, skill or whatever. Skill, but yeah. By lack of skill, yeah. By for me, fouling and, and doing whatever I had to do. <laughs> Pulling hair, I can do whatever. He whatever does, I got to do, we he'll hustle. He'll grab you. He'll grab we'll you. Hustle. Ref, ref won't see it, but he'll no, grab you. No, that's exactly right. <laughs> so, so Radius certainly was, you know, we're looking back, we laugh at some of the decisions we made, um, but but we would put a lot of effort in those decisions, whether they were they were good and good or bad. And, and so some of those decisions, some of that hustle actually builds a culture both of service and sacrifice and focus. And then, you know, like looking back on me, like, man, we probably shouldn't have done that. Like it was, I was probably wasting time. So it's not always efficient, but I think sometimes we talk about building a culture, just hustling makes mm-hmm. sense. One, one of the funny stories, and I'll let you get one, Jeremiah. Uh, this made no sense looking back on it, but at the time it seemed brilliant to me. Uh, we, were, we were planting two churches at the same time which most people think planting one church is too much, but we were planting one downtown. So you'd lead worship downtown. We'd go down to coffee shop, and I'd be there. I'd preach. In the morning, we'd do the same thing in Lexington. So Lexington, downtown Columbia. And by the time we got done in Columbia, we were teaching and leading in the morning and driving to Greenville and doing it at night. Like for us, yeah. like looking yeah. back on it, like we <laughs> probably wouldn't advise most of our guys to do this. And it was a beat that I remember like, 
praying you wouldn't fall asleep on the way back, driving back from Greenville. Like we were, it was a oh, long yeah. day. Yeah, long days. Long but days. Uh, you know, looking back on it, that that kind of is the hustle. We we felt like we needed to get to the next thing, and we did. And right or wrong. Uh, we got after the one more, and I'm passing on. Like in the early days of Oasis, we would take newspapers to all the houses in the neighborhoods around the church. I don't know if you remember this. Uh, and, and my kids would be in the minivan, and then ten other people at Oasis, which was our original sorry name that I made up, <laughs> which we can put on record at this point. <laughs> uh, we would take. We I'd buy. Uh, I don't know, 500 newspapers, which some of y'all don't even know what a newspaper That's is. Right. I understand. And we'd go through all the neighborhoods around the church, and I'd put an Oasis sticker on it, and we'd run it up to the door. So my kids literally be running. I know Cheryl never witnessed this. They're jumping out of the <laughs> side door of the minivan while moving with papers. It was awesome. It made my kids more athletic while they served the Lord. But hustle, right? You got some hustle stories back in the day? Yeah, I mean, I could go down the list. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, even – Trying to plant in Atlanta, I was still. I would get. I would leave Saturday night and come and stay with you guys. That's right. In Atlanta. That's right. From Clemson. Yep. yep. And then we would get up early in the morning and we'd go to three dollar cafe, over in Sandy Springs, or freezing, wherever, freezing cold, yep. outdoor. Set up a sound system, <laughs> tear it down, put it back in the car after a church service and brunch. Yep. And then drive, schlep myself back up to Clemson, two hours away, and then leave worship for two services that night. That's right. Um, that's why I have this gray in my beard now. I've done that <laughs> on, in multiple ways, and we did that with Radius Greenville and Radius. But I think for me, like I, that, I, I put in a lot of you know energy and effort to trying hard. Um, and so sometimes you can confuse hustle with with trying hard, and yeah. sometimes we can try too hard mm. and not submit to the Holy Spirit and allow Very the good. Holy Spirit mm. to, to get out in front of us and do the work. Good word. But I don't think it's born out of. A, it's not born out of a self-righteousness or, a, hmm. or or just a desire to want to um, to glorify self. Obviously, who would do that to themselves? <laughs> um, it's born out of you know the good stuff, like the 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 passion for understanding the vision and understanding why this stuff is important. But I think the times that when I have just been so exhausted and and so depleted. And stepped back and looked at all of it, and I was like, "Well, I, you know, I worked really hard. I, I was planting seeds for other people, and they didn't know the sacrifices I was making for my family or for, you know, you know, whatever." But I was young; I could get away with that, so I've got no complaints. But I, I think that the most beautiful times are when I just would just submit to the Holy Spirit and mm. not try so hard. So I think there's the hustle side, which you've really got to work really hard. And we had a lot of times where we worked really hard, and there are a lot of times where we didn't have anything to do. So it was like a little bit of, you know, the reality is there's, you're not just always, you know, if you don't have an infrastructure of people and you don't have a platform yet where or yeah. people are coming to, more to you than you are going to them, then there's an ebb and flow. So you could get a little yeah. bit like, you know, you got to learn how to manage that. And I think the ethos of Radius now is, is still pushing the hustle, but also saying rest in God, rest in God. Very He's going to do the work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's mm -hmm. what's beautiful about it. When we say hustle, before we wrap it up, man, we we named a little bit of our hustle, but people like Andy Ott, yeah, you know, the guys that we, he he was just he was everywhere in it, all in it, right, passionate, you know, pushing people, pushing himself, create, you know, on zero budget, making it happen. We had, but we had like a list. We, we oh named, my gosh, yeah. named some of the people. It definitely was like it's a team of hustle. 
great point by Jeremiah, though. Like, it's, it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up in just the hustle. Yeah, and none of those people are getting paid. No, you know, no. they're just showing up, and I'm thinking, why no. are you doing this? That's you know, right. But there was something else. You know, It was the kingdom mindset, a mission mindset that, that drove them, and it, it's good. It's, it's beautiful. beautiful. It's a good yeah. sacrifice. And part of this hustle, uh, as we just kind of talked about, has to do with sort of a constant desire to be innovative, which is what Radius often tries to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's not quite so great. <laughs> so let's, let's hash through Radius and innovative. And what are some of Radius's best ideas? And, and I'm maybe more interested to hear what are some of Radius's worst ideas over the years? Yeah, so best ideas are all mine. Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm kidding. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, I have so many dumb ideas. It's, uh, it's embarrassing. But I do think the church, one of the dangers for the church in America is that uh, she um, lost her innovation at some point. It felt, felt like the dominant figure in the community and just assumed everybody was going to come to her. And so the innovation is primarily about going out and we still, we, we can even get caught up in some innovations to still try to get them all to come to us. And that we, we didn't want to go that way. We, we fought against that, sometimes well, sometimes horribly, you know. Uh, thinking worst ideas. Uh, so I'm going to put you on the spot because this is one of your dumbest ideas ever. Okay. To worship, lead worship oh, yeah. from behind <laughs> the people. Now, I, I, you got to explain because you had yeah. good reasons, but oh my I, I literally, I mean, I put the veto yeah. kibosh on that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the idea was, uh, no, it wasn't a false humility. I think it was more of like, I don't want to be the center of attention. So here, yeah. here's an interesting story. Um, <laughs> I have a friend, um, Ross King in Nashville. He's a really highly accredited songwriter, and um, he, uh, just a brilliant guy. And he just did a Facebook post a couple years ago, and he just said the most beautiful thing about leading worship. And he said, if you want to be a leader on stage and you want to be a worship leader, you go find the most dimly lit part of the stage, and you lead from there. Mm, that's good. You find the most dimly lit, the darkest part of the stage, and that's where you lead from. And it's a metaphor, right? Mm. I was actually actually suggesting a very physical <laughs> turn my back on the room and <laughs> lead from the back of the room. Uh, but, you know, a, a, a bad idea really is born out of like, a, like how do we get people to focus on God and not this experience, Absolutely. right? And not, and not on us or our gifts or our lack of gifts or be distracted by our... We don't want to distract people from, from the true focus of glorifying God. So Ross's point is your worship leader... It, 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 the job of the worship leader is to disappear. The job of the leader is really to replace themselves with other people and not to take the podium and not to take the spotlight and keep it for themselves. It is to pass it on. Um, and that's, that's exhibited all throughout the scriptures of uh, leaders you know, sacrificing themselves to, to, to glorify God. So, yeah, bad idea. <laughs> so I'm going to set you up for one of the best ideas ever you had a bunch of them uh and radius worship our, our worship the culture was set like you wrote a bunch of songs like that that's that's a part like we're not always great at because we're pretty pragmatic at radius but you uh you wrote worship songs we sang some of your songs not all like you used yeah. a big big variety yeah. best worship song because we're going to disagree on this best worship song like that the lord put in your mind 
it's, it's really an idea. It's a creative idea that you shared. That became a radio song that people. So, so it's not just your favorite, but how people responded to it. Uh, you, that, that I wrote? wrote? Yeah, that you wrote. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Uh, eight, eight, nine years you were here. Yeah. I'm, I won't talk about the radio song that went all over the world. Nah, nah, nah. Because that, that wasn't really our song. That was really more of a, a big C church song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, gosh, I'm racking my brain. I can tell you some of the ones you don't like that I like, but Probably, go, go ahead. But uh, See Me Through was a, was was a big one. killer. Man, yeah, we just awesome sang song. the fool out of that song. Um, a lot of the songs, I don't know, they fade in memory. I've written so many. Wow. See, did he actually say that? I've he written did. so many. He did. I, I forgot. I have, man. I've just, <laughs> he said it. I'm a little... That's not a humble brag. That's not right, a, that's, so if I said Trumpet of the Lord, you'd be like, no, I'd never want anybody to hear that song. That or? came to mind, but I thought it was a DCF song. That, that was a great song. That was man. a big, that was an epic song. Now, that was, yeah. We just didn't have any trumpets. This is a cool moment for, you know, somebody at Radius is artistic in the way they can contribute by creating... You just a, you gave you gave us just a ton of language for what really our little group was. We believed it was cool, very cool. Yeah, and you get and you gave me the opportunity to do that, which is really, I think, as a, as a testament to. I, I wish churches saw the potential for their lead, their creatives hmm. to just. I wish they just would give them space to create, you know, and then hold them accountable to create. Right, like don't just say, "Well, go create" without any sort of like. We're doing this together. You can't go out on an island, but um, I think if you can if you can find that that you know guy or girl that is just gifted in that area, and then cultivate that and just give them the space to do that, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, you know, I didn't have any ambition with that. It was just like I'm going to write a song that hopefully maybe we'll sing. Yeah. And we I, we oh, sang yeah. some songs that I wrote that I was like, oh, never going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were guinea pigs too. You but just didn't cool know. Part, <laughs> the cool part for Radius is like. They were our songs. Right. And the, the, the church misses out on a lot, a lot when we don't know what to do with creative folks. Then you, you actually never get to have our songs. You only have yeah. the Big C Church's songs. It's, it's kind of cool to have that. Yeah, it's, it's special, for sure. Two seconds as before we trans. One of the, my favorite things that we did early is the Lord's Supper on Sunday. So since we're on talking on worship, it's, it's just something we started at a very early time at, at DCF. And the way we do it, I like, and everybody knows I'm biased about this, and I drive it every time I preach, right? Because the accountability of having to get up out of your seat on a weekly basis and walk in front of people that you know to take bread and juice, it's, it's just, it's, it's intense. So not only are you interacting with the living God and saying, I'm doing what you asked me to do, I'm remembering Jesus, I'm remembering you, Jesus, but you're doing it in front of your peers, and your peers all know how you live during the week. So this, it's this, uh, it was in, it's innovative. It's, it's yeah. not new. Jesus asked us to do it, right? But the way we do it, instead of, instead of passing it, uh, instead of doing it all together, there's this individual radius accountability when you walk up there and take it. So I'm excited about that. I'm glad we're done with this section before um, I get to my worst ideas. We got Chris Sebio on this podcast, so I'm sh- he, he mentioned some of my worst ideas ever, <laughs> which were mostly <laughs> passing out roses in the street, stuff like that, anything I can come up with, so. You need to move on, though, don't you? Yeah, we'll, we'll move on. Sure. Uh, and part of the, the the innovation and the bad ideas is is just an attempt um, to share the gospel, and it comes out really, really raw sometimes. Um, and so one of the words that really has described Radius over the years, and we just did a sermon series on it, yep. is real. Um, so 
Dad, kick us off as we speak a little bit about why we wanted to be real. And you even mentioned that with communion just a second ago. But what does it mean to be real? Why? Yeah, so in brief form, highly intellectual, you'll appreciate this, JT. It means don't fake it. <laughs> so, like, in the South, we were, Jeremiah alluded to this earlier, Earlier, uh, we were attempting to push back, sometimes wrongly, but in this area, I really think in a healthy way, push back against faking it at church. So Duncan Fleming, who was a big part of our beginnings, I, I, we said it a minute ago, he would say, I'm, I, I, I'm so excited to come to church because I want to. I'm not just coming because I have to, or I'm not coming out of duty. And so when we talk about real, that's, that's what we wanted. Real, real devotion to the Lord, like not faux, not put on. And some of the ways we got to that were um, by praying together. One of the phrases, if, if you've been at Radius long at all, you've heard us say it. We pray the truth about ourselves. So that means confessing sins to one another. Like, let's, let's be real about it. And uh, everybody taking in this podcast, certainly the three of us around this table, have stuff in the dark, and it's so healthy to bring it into the light and be real with one another. Uh, so that, that impacted everything we did. So from the way we worshiped to the way we taught to the words we used, it took me four years to get the cliches out. I tried to get all the cliches out. <laughs> yeah. Some of our campus pastors are working on that now. Um, there, it, it's a work in progress because we all fake it sometimes. But we want we we really wanted to get that out, and it, you know it's an honor that some folks interact with our people. That that's the word they use. Y'all, y'all are so real. Uh, there's I, I'll give a little credit to an old man that invested in me when we talk about discipleship. Uh, his name's Keith Leverance. He taught me how to be transparent with my sin, and uh, even my victories. Like it felt like I was boasting, but he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, let me let me share in your victories." Mm. That's, that's being real. So real's not just confessing sin; it's also celebrating, uh, which the church's not very good at either one of those. I I mean I have definitely grown tremendously just because of that ethos, uh, and it spilled over into the way that I lead worship. So for me, I try to find a moment. Look, I'm just, it's just a guitar and a band, and we're making music. We can just make music. Yeah. And check that box, and you know, I love the quote from Braveheart. Well, we didn't get dressed up for nothing. <laughs> exactly. You know, like why did we come out? You know, like so we might as well put some effort into just finding a real moment in the mm-hmm. service where it's. I'm not trying to say something I think people want to hear. That's right. I'm not trying to prove something to anybody in the room. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like wow them with some tremendous great thought. Even though I still struggle with that wrestling with that um, mentality, I, I still want to just find a real moment because in those real moments, you're connecting with real humans mm-hmm. who have real experiences. And so um, to me, that's, that, what that does is that, that brings walls down. And I'm not talking just from the stage. When you do that in real life with people and you're vulnerable with them and you're authentic with them, uh, it, it just breaks down walls, and people are like, "Oh, you're just you're you're just like me." You know, we're sharing in some human experience that then we can go together uh, to the cross and 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 really mm-hmm. kind of let that be our mirror. You know, and, and ha- how do we figure out what are these things that we're we're struggling with or dealing with that are real life consequences of just walking around and breathing? So uh, that's so disarming for people, and I think in a good way. It's disarming for me. When I hear someone speak or I meet someone, I'm like, that guy's real. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and it's pretty immediate. And you can tell when the people that aren't real, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you say, that guy's a character. No. Right, yeah. that's, right, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes the character is the most real, but <laughs> anyway. That's right. And, and, you know, just to summarize something uh, Jeremiah said a little while ago, the realest things are the things the Holy Spirit does. Yeah. So, so we want to be transparent and disciplined to cut out all the, all the fake, but at the end of the day, he's got to be working in us hard. Oh, this is just a game. And part of being real, I've heard so many times, is, is being people who go to football games and people who go, I don't know, golfing or, or, or whatever. And whatever we do uh, as a church, Brian Kirkland says we want to maintain orthodoxy um, and be socially engaged. This is mm-hmm. one of his mm-hmm. quotes at the same time. Um, so with that in mind, uh, JJ, walk us through the story of the name Radius and how that connects to, to real and, and why, uh, even at the very beginning, caring for your radius was so important. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a pretty radical name, especially for the time. It was, 2000, sure it was. 2003 or four or something like that. We started three? three. I don't know when. It's, yeah, three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we were wrestling with names, and we were in a transition between the Park Road building and that LCC. Yeah, that gave us that building. And yeah. what was that? Lacey what? Christian Church. They'd been there for forever. Yeah. So Park Road Wonderful building. Thing. Yep. And that building, I was talking with Trey Bain about that this week. He's another guy who has given a lot of time and effort to, um, you know, serving radius all these years mm-hmm. yep he used to go he was telling me he used to go to that building back when it was a music venue and they'd have it was one of his first experiences we walked in there it was a hard rock band and then they gave a altar call at the end right, yeah. yeah so uh the beautiful beautiful thing about that building is that they used that building prior to us mm-hmm. as a way to reach mm-hmm. uh you students and youth um so we're sitting in that building. I remember we're all kind of gathered together, and we're trying to talk about, like, what name do we want? And I remember one, they were really excited about this name called The Bridge. We're going to name this church The Bridge. It was a relaunch of LCC, mm-hmm. and we were going to kind of come on and help with that. Jeff Shipman was a part of that. He's, I, I believe he's still in town, is yeah, he not? Yeah, Crossroads, yeah. He's at Crossroads. So Jeff was really the, conne- the kind of connective tissue relationally between um, LCC and... <laughs> Me and John and whoever else was dumb enough to come Celine. follow us. Yes, yeah. Celine. Celine and Duncan. Yep. And Duncan, and Lynn, and uh, so we're all sitting around talking, and we've been listening to uh, Dwight. What's Dwight's last name? Dwight Smith. Smith. Dwight Smith. Smith yeah. And Dwight Smith was, you know, sort of a towering theological figure in the Columbia scene, and he just a brilliant theologian and speaker. And he had been. He just kept talking about, you know, you know. Uh, these, these circles of influence, mm-hmm. circles That's of influence, right. and I don't know who said the word radius, but it was just in a passing comment, and I was like, well, what about what about radius? Like, who are, who's in your radius of influence? And it just stuck. I, you know, I was just like, because I was really pushing back against a generic name. I just yeah. wanted something <laughs> innovative. Air quotes. <laughs> you know, like I was fighting hard. What was wrong with Oasis? I mean, that was, that was the best name. Man, it was beautiful, I came up with man. That I, I, you know, was, we could have called it the watering hole and served <laughs> PBR. Exactly. Right. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, all of that was still an effort. Even Oasis is an effort to, yeah, it was. to be innovative and say we want to be different. Mm-hmm. And, we, we want, and, and maybe some of it was born out of, like, we want to be different because we, we want to prove to everybody that they're not the church. And that, that's not healthy. That was not, uh, not That's not healthy. But that seeps in there, and you have to fight against that. But Radius... Was like who is in your sphere of influence, and that who is your neighbor really is what what that's about. And then as a collective church, who's around you in the neighborhoods, and who's around you 
like that circle then expands into your life. Now I have friends all over the, you know, country. So I got friends, my, my radius is, you know, national, not national, national, but just, I got friends everywhere. So then how does that play out in making disciples? And how does that play out? How do we push each other to reach people within our own spheres that like, how can John reach someone in his sphere that I can't mm-hmm. reach? That's kind of on him, mm-hmm. but I can support him in that by showing up every Sunday, putting mm-hmm. on a guitar, singing songs, calling people to that. Like we're all supporting that, feeding each other, uh, that energy of like, yes, we're in this together. But yeah. e- no, going back to the table of like, we're all responsible for our individual um, circles of influence, mm-hmm. our radiuses. So, pretty, pr- we were, you know, we were on the verge of cult, you know, <laughs> in the eyes of people around. Like, you go to what? Yeah, it was too it, radius. The name for the community at that time was almost too innovative. Gosh, yeah, like, because seriously, you just couldn't name a church that. But then, you know, seventeen years later, today. The name, like, like I like it more today than I did then, yeah. because it captures what we want to be in one word. I, I got some friends that make fun of us, like you, like you named your church, yeah, about reach, reaching your neighbors and like you're that serious about it. I'm like, yeah, we're we're just that serious about hey, it. We we were just ahead of our time. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Other people say that too. <laughs> Way, Way ahead. ahead of our time. That's right. But you know what's coolest, uh, I think, for our folks that are doing it, it, we're actually like, I've been using this word mosaic or team. We're a team of folks that know their neighbors. And so to something that you just mentioned a minute ago, the cool part is occasionally I'll run across somebody in my neighborhood, which may be local or you know, depending on, on where they are, I can roll somebody up in, else up into that space because they, actually, they fit it better. They, yeah. they, they match one of my friends better and they can they can actually use their life and their walk with the Lord and impact them. So so we really just we do all this together. It's been, been a pretty cool ride hmm. seventeen years. And that will wrap up our time here today. A couple things I did want to say before we conclude. Firstly is that none of the stuff that these two guys have said all day or that anyone else has said in in past episodes of this Radius Story podcast. None of this is about Radius, this little seed church. This is about glorifying God for who he is and what he has done in in a bunch of imperfect people. And this is our our imperfect attempts to glorify him is, is, is this Radius church. So homework for you today, and really your homework throughout this entire podcast has been the reoccurring question do you know your neighbor's name and that's something that that's the last line of this radius book that we were able to write and that and that's really what we're going back to again and again and again do you know your neighbor's name it might be really intimidating to see the shale reeves and jeremiah jones and chris Seabees of the world and you say i i i can't plant 17 churches and have 45 kids and um, move all over the place and, and write songs or whatever. Today, the homework is, do you know your neighbor's name? Thank you all again for joining us. Thank you, Dad and Jeremiah Jones, for your time. And we are excited to have you next week for our continued podcast with a new series led by Brian Kirkland. We'll actually be talking about marriage next week as we continue to tell stories, confront culture, and speak truth. 
Love y'all.